You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Illinois Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper here at State Farm Center where Illinois finds a way to win. Not a super win on Super Bowl Sunday. 73-66. They defeat Northwestern. What a phenomenal first half. Illinois comes out uh, firing on all cylinders as they make, what, I think it was five of their first nine threes. Take a huge lead there, Derek. But the second half, what ugliness that was. I think 14 turnovers in the second half. Only made eight field goals. Kofi Coburn was the only line I had to make a field goal uh, in the last 10 minutes of this one. So like Purdue, Illinois finds a way to win an ugly one. And that keeps Illinois ahead of Purdue by a half game in the Big Ten standings here, Derek. This one isn't going to make you feel like you're the Big Ten championship uh, champion, but this is the kind of win that could be the difference in a Big Ten championship. They all make uh, such a big difference right now. And I think it doesn't matter how you get them, even though you want to feel good about them. Um, but you get one. Like, that's the most important thing. And Ono keeps finding a way, even if it's against Northwestern twice here, to, to defeat Northwestern and win eight straight against them. But you're not feeling great after this one, but you still get the win. It's a scary performance, particularly in the second half when you're about to go to Rutgers and knowing how tough they've been, especially in that building. Also beat Wisconsin on the road uh, this weekend. But, yeah, certainly when you have – kind of some other teams around the league do you some favors where you lost at Purdue as a three-way tie. All of a sudden, you come to play here in your sole possession in the first place. And you have to take care of business and, and find a way to win the game. Now, they were trying to find ways to lose there in the second half, particularly with their turnovers and a long extended stretch not being able to score. I mean, Northwestern went on a 17-2 to two run at one point there. And it got a little dicey. But uh, I, I thought the first half was, was pretty good. Like, I thought they had beautiful offense for a while with ability to – penetrate and kick and just the the synergy overall of having four different guys with multiple assists at one point and knocking down threes uh, and that kind of evaporated as Northwestern effectively trapped the post and made Kofi uncomfortable and then the threes kind of dried up so uh, it is kind of a concerning performance just knowing what's ahead this upcoming week at Rutgers at Michigan State but uh, I know it's one you can kind of bury and put to bed and say, hey, we won the game. We're still in first. Yeah, I want to talk about the positives. I know so many people should be excited about R.J. Melendez and certainly are. I thought the bench was it was a big boost to Illinois today. Uh, but you're right. It's so weird. The first half, the starters looked so good. Trent Frazier was dealing as kind of the primary playmaker. Uh, DeMonte Williams made a couple threes. Alfonso Plummer was on fire. Uh, Kofi Coburn was getting whatever he wants. And Illinois was basically getting whatever it wanted, made nine threes on, on, I believe, 14, uh, 16 attempts in the first half. And they were just rolling. You're thinking, oh, this will be an easy win. Maybe Illinois felt that as well because they didn't come out with the same type of intensity, especially defensively. Uh, and then they just got kind of soft uh, on offense and re- really careless. Um, even guys like Trent Frazier were, were committing turnovers. But they were doubling Kofi. Uh, and, and Kofi was struggling a little bit with how they were you know, defending him. And he just wasn't making decisions very quickly uh, and confidently. He has six turnovers. Now he ends up with 19 and 15. That's a great part of having Kofi Coburn on your team is even when he struggles, he can have a, a great performance that lifts you to a win. But what changed there, uh, Derek, in the second half that, that is a cause for concerns? I mean, 14 turnovers uh, in one half is, is really inexcusable. 
Yeah, Northwestern does deserve some credit for the way that they upped their defensive intensity and just being able to get to Kofi as soon as he caught the ball and all of a sudden there's a lot of attention and, and action you know, up in his face and he's trying to find the right guy. Uh, but he wasn't the best with handling that. And I think that uh, Illinois just was persistent in continuing to try to feed the post. And there was a lot of standing around and watching on the perimeter. Uh, Kofi didn't make the best decisions. Curbelo had some bad turnovers, uh, really trying to create things out of nothing. And uh, that's kind of the live and die thing with, with Andre as he can make a play that's spectacular and, and nothing really, you know, don't need a screen, don't need anything like the behind, between the legs uh, and then kick out, I think, to Melendez for three in the first half. But then he's going to try to split defenders and the ball's just going to squeak away. And Northwestern started to build some confidence. So uh, I think Illinois didn't find a way to run maybe some different actions, maybe not enough ball screen. Uh, but just in general, the offense bogged down and, and Northwestern started to build confidence. And, and that was kind of the story. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the other part of this is I thought Illinois had a chance to take like a 20-something point lead. DeMonte Williams missed three open threes uh, to start the second half, then had a, a drive to the hoop, looked like he was trying to dunk, and he gets blocked. I believe it was Nance uh, at that time. Jacob Grandison, 0 for 7 uh, on the day, 0 for 3 from 3. Came up with some big uh, free throws late in that game. But that was part of it, too. Just like at Purdue, those guys need to make shots. They weren't able to make shots. And Trent Frazier, one for five, two for seven from the field. He's airballed, uh, I think, a shot in the last four games, which is, which is really, really odd. That's why R.J. Melendez, and we'll get into him more here, is so important is because those guys aren't, aren't shooting as well. Illinois, you know, made 10 threes tonight, so it's weird that we're talking about this. Alfonso Plummer is going to get his. If he's open, he's going to make shots. The other guys are starting to trail off a little bit, Derek, and, and that's so important around Kofi because teams are going to continue to double Kofi if Illinois doesn't make him pay from three. Yeah, this was the hottest three-point shooting team really in the country in December, and all of a sudden there have been some moments like the second half of Indiana where they really got it going uh, the first half tonight. But for the bulk of the Big Ten play, they're now ninth. Going into the today, they were ninth in the Big Ten in three-point percentage during league play. So uh, Grandison's cooled off significantly. And I, he wasn't any good at all today, really, in any facet. Three turnovers today, too. So I know he had some, some good passes, but three turnovers, basically, no one voided that. Right, and Trent not shooting as well. And the air balls are kind of kind of a weird deal. I don't know what's what's going on there for it to stack like that four straight games. I know an air ball is just one miss, but just to have it uh, be that way is, is kind of interesting. And then DeMonte, two for seven. Uh, outside of Plummer, you need some of those other guys to be able to pick it up and, and provide that spacing for Kofi. and make it maybe a little bit more of a tougher decision at times because there, there have been teams who literally decided to play Kofi one-on-one because of Illinois' three-point shooting. Right now, with kind of the struggles they're having, that's, that's not really a decision anymore. Yeah, and, I mean, giving up a 19-2 run in Northwestern is, is terrible. I mean, <laughs> this is not a very good team. And to be honest with you, Northwestern missed so many opportunities early uh, in, in that second half to make an even, even bigger run. I mean, obviously the turnovers help them get easy buckets, right? But defensively, was there any issues that you saw? You know, Northwestern didn't make a lot of shots, but they had a lot of open shots. Ty Berry got going on you. I didn't think Curbelo was very locked in defensively. Plummer, obviously, they, they attacked a couple times. But what did you see defensively? Yeah, just I think that as it got going in the second half, Illinois' overall intensity in the game, and as it was slipping, they didn't respond all that well and didn't buckle down. And one of Curbelo's good plays in the second half, he gets to the rim, but after that there's a transition play and Northwestern's pushing it, and there's he calls out a switch with him and Trent, but then he doesn't challenge the tie Barry three. He switched on to Barry, but then gave him an open line for three, and he knocked it down. And, and some of those things, like Plummer, I know that he's got some limitations defensively, and they attacked him. 
Uh, Bowie's reverse layup was on him on a drive after he had missed a couple of free throws. Uh, so they gave up some, some good shots. Even the Pete Nance three that would have cut it back to two, he, he missed it, but Grandison was checking him and all of a sudden leaves him. And Pete Nance, 41% three-point shooter, he knocks that down. It's a two-point game. All of a sudden, you got to inbound the ball again, which was tough late, and makes it more free throws, which apparently was tough as well. So uh, they just seem to get casual and yeah. seem to maybe get a little too comfortable with their 14-point lead that ended up getting up to 18 early in the second half. And uh, it took a while. I didn't like the response when things were really starting to snowball. I didn't have a guy really step up and, and change that. And just overall, they just didn't have the good body language in that moment. I agree with you. I think they took their opponent too lightly. Uh, and that. And I think Kofi, who's kind of their guy who can kind of get them back just by getting an easy bucket, uh, he was frustrated with no foul calls. And I get it. I, I asked him about it after the game. It's It's got to be really tough. When you get fouled like that, you get that kind of attention um, and, and have that kind of physicality on you. Because, I mean, he got fouled one time on three, uh, three times on one possession. Um, and, and they didn't call anything. So. He, get, he doesn't get that frustrated usually, but he was today. And I think that kind of permeated the rest of the team. Also, Trent Frazier kind of went invisible there uh, in the second half. And I think he's so important to do that. And then Andre just got out of control because he's got a kind of guy that can, you know, kind of get you out of those moments as well. And just didn't think Grandison and Williams are very confident. But the guy who got you out of it, it felt like. Uh, I got to give credit to the whole bench. I thought Benjamin Bossman's Verdant gave you two minutes. I thought Omar Payne, you know, gave you some really good minutes tonight. A dunk at the rim, a block, was good on the boards. I thought Coleman Hawkins, who's not been playing well, um, three assists tonight, great, uh, you know, distributing skills there. Also three boards, dove on the floor. Like, that's the energy you want to see from him. But R.J. Melendez, Derek, let's let's bring up the star of the game tonight. I did give it to him over over Kofi Coburn in my quick hits, uh, just because Kofi had a lot of turnovers that really hurt Illinois. But R.J. with 14 points a career high, six rebounds a career high. I was not the guy two weeks ago after Northwestern to say give R.J. Melendez 20 minutes. I'm there now, Derek. Like I, I think this guy has deserved 15 to 20 minutes a game now. Just based on what he's doing, he's calm, he's confident, and he just gives you something you don't have. And he makes shots. I mean, 14 points on, on four field goals tonight is ridiculous. But I thought he was just as good on the defensive side. Two steals, a block that showed off yeah. you know, his ability because he got beat on it, but had to speed the athleticism to close and get a block on, on a layup attempt. But then six boards. I thought he came up with some huge rebounds late. One on the Alfonso Plummer air ball three to get free throws. Uh, and then to be able to get the rebound towards the end of the game to, that kind of closed this thing. Um, he looks like a star. Brad Underwood's been saying it. Um, yeah, let's let's buy all the R.J. Melendez stock if there's any at a decent price right now because he's, he's playing ridiculous. And he's going to play a key role, it feels like. I think it's still worth the buy at this point in time. And I think I mean, he's got tremendous upside because he has he checks a lot of boxes in terms of having the length, having the athleticism, having the motor that he's certainly shown. Uh, he has some trust in terms of what he brings defensively. And then to make shots, like that was one thing that they really identified with all three of these freshmen is be able to stretch the floor and be shot makers from the perimeter and to make two corner threes. I think you said seven of ten now from three on the year. I know he hasn't put up a, a bunch of, of clips overall, but it's a guy that has shown his confidence. He's got a coolness about him, but uh, also just a motor and, and a willingness to go make any play that's available out there. Also, I think a, a very high IQ player, yeah. which is something that is very valuable for a team that's had turnover issues or just not making smart basketball plays. So with Grandison in the rut that he's in, 
uh, that only compounds the, the urgency and the desire from fans to want to see him more. And as you said, I fully yeah. agree that he deserves it. Yeah, I think Grandison's still going to get 20 minutes plus a game, and I think yeah. he should. I think he's a really important piece of this team. But uh, RJ playing 17 minutes tonight, I like that. I think moving forward, uh, that certainly can be the case for you. And if Grandison continues to struggle, Grandison had six rebounds tonight. I'll give him that. Um, but RJ, his percentages on rebounding are way higher. He's, he's a way more athletic player. And right now he's a better defender. But you said it, Derek, on top of all those physical tools, there's a calm, uh, cool, just confidence about him. I mean, he made six free throws, most of them clutch tonight, and it's not a big deal to him. And he's, he's been saying, like, the last couple of weeks, like, hey, I, I was confident I could do this stuff. I just needed to earn it and, and, and get my chance, and now I'm doing it. But he's not seemingly getting crazy with, with all the attention he's now getting. I think that's so important. And, there's a couple players I think we've seen maybe in the last 10 years that are similar to him. But Tevion Jones, I just don't know if the basketball IQ was quite there. But we were tantalized by his length and athleticism. And, and he could make some shots too, but he just wasn't reliable, right? I thought Joseph Bertrand had some flashes of those things. But RJ is the kind of athlete I probably haven't seen as a consistent role player since – Brian Randall and Brian Randall didn't have the confidence, I think, offensively in his skill uh, to do what RJ is doing. So, Brad says he's going to be a star. I, I believe him now, based on especially in these last two games, but really the the just continued quick progress he's making. Yeah, he's a unique piece, especially in the context of what the rest of the roster looks like without the same kind of length and athleticism on the wing. And we've seen players like that at Michigan State and, and around the league for a long time. And uh, it was important to be able to identify that. Uh, I, I do think it is something we saw with Coleman or just other guys who taste success and try to just do too much or try to, you know, make make something more out of it and maybe get a little too excitable. But so far, I know it's it's still a small window. He's played within himself, but been confident. Like stepping up and making the shots at Purdue was very impressive. And then to wait his turn and come in tonight and, and provide the energy and, and be efficient has been uh, very impressive for a guy that at one point in December, early January, could have said, you know, I don't, I don't know. This is an older team, a team that's winning, a team that uh, maybe doesn't need me this year, or just and just battling through that whole kind of a, of a process. Uh, he's stayed the course and. He's in for a, a significant role on the stretch if he continues to, to play this way and, and continue to lean into this. I think right now I would have him rest of season. Does he play the most bench minutes for Illinois? Or I got I to gotta let the people uh, – we got to talk about what the people – does he start at some point, Derek? Like, I, I think I like him coming off the bench with that energy. And if Coleman can do that, man, you saw that flash of the future, didn't you? Coleman leading the break confidently, dishing to RJ for a dunk where it looked like it was like, what, a step inside the free throw line? Um, that was a flash of what Illinois hopes the future is. But those guys just really lift your ceiling. And if you can get Andre going at some point, just – Consistency, I don't know if we're ever going to get out of Andre Carpello. I think he's just kind of the roll of the dice player. But that just incredibly lifts this team's ceiling if, if those guys can just continually give you energy off the bench. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried about him starting right now. I know fans will bang, bang the table for it. And, and especially, again, if Jake struggles or even nights when DeMonte doesn't make shots, it's something that's going to be talked about. But um, a 15 to 20 minute on a consistent basis off the bench and then just kind of a read and react if one of those guys is struggling, then just kind of give him more minutes. And clearly we've seen whether it was against Northwestern and Evanston or in this game, 
Brad's not afraid to throw him out there in crunch time and, and some important minutes. So uh, I think that's the most important thing is just giving him opportunities uh, and allowing him to, to get significant chunks of playing time. And we'll see what Coleman can do here going forward. I think that that is in the mix as well because RJ can play a little bit the four, somewhat the three. But yeah, the upside is there and, and hopefully he continues to, to put it all together. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. How do you handle Andre Cabello right now? Because there's just flashes of that brilliance, as you said. Uh, but also, I mean, he just – he has these moments where it feels like he gets in quicksand. He just tries to do a little bit too much. I loved his start of the game, Derek. Like, he had um, two passes to RJ, right, in the corner for three, making his teammates better. You wrote about it, and you asked Brad Underwood about, like, that's his next step is just not going to get his every time, but finding that balance. He still hasn't found that balance. Not that that should be unexpected, right? Like. This is the part of not playing games that is is so difficult for him. But Brad's got to have this balance of, hey, we're going to need this guy at some point. He can go get us a bucket and, and give us what we need offensively when we get in these long droughts. But he also can cause some of these long droughts and add to it on the defensive end um, by giving up points. He's got to be able to be under more control, obviously. He's got to be able to turn it up and down. And it just seems like he's going – uh, 100 miles an hour every time he touches and trying to make the home run plays. That's a constant narrative that we've continued to talk about with him. And I, I have felt even when times have gone right for him, whether it be you know the Purdue games, really that's kind of what we've seen here recently. It, it has been, let me go get one. Let me go make a play. And I do think that, as Brad talked about yesterday, just him understanding and feeling that chemistry with the teammates and knowing where guys are going to be and just getting that back is going to open up. I mean, he – he hasn't forgotten how to be a facilitator. I don't think he's left, you know, I don't think he's put scoring number one in terms of his priority list necessarily. He's just, I think that's his easiest way to make an impact in his mind as he's working his way back and not having that practice time with his teammates. It's a tough deal. Uh, I think that he's just got to be able to be willing to play more within the flow of the offense. You want him to play fast when the opportunities are there. You want transition. I think this team could use some easy baskets on the fast break, but if it's not there, it's not there. You got to be willing to work the shot clock uh, and play play for that next play, which I think a lot of times he's not willing to do. He just had no time to work out these kinks because he had to try and be early on the guy who you know made up for Kofi being out. Then he has the injury, comes back, has a great performance uh, against Purdue, then has out with COVID, and now he's trying to get back into this flow. And uh, in Big Ten play, that's really, really difficult. So I, I can feel for him, but also he's got to find a way to be himself yet within the system and yeah. within the team and 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 that can probably be pretty difficult so he needs to be better 
but but I can also feel for him because it's just it's been a really tough go. Yeah, I mean, it, he's missed two months, and then he was out with COVID, and uh, I, I just feel like, yeah, like you said there, playing within the context of, of the team, it seems a lot of times when he has the ball in his hands, you might not necessarily be running offense. You're just running Curbelo. Like, <laughs> Curbelo is being Curbelo, and there's Which a lot. sometimes of, can be good. Sometimes <laughs> can be brilliant. Again, like the between the legs, like that was ridiculous, but then there's times where – He's, you know, the ball's out in front of him, and it's just a turnover mistake waiting to happen. I think defensively, he can do some – he has some instincts to make some plays, you know, when a defender might – or an opponent might not be expecting him to come in and swipe it away. But then again, I think he's – he hunts plays and make, takes gambles, as we've talked about, um, that put him in a bad situation, put this team in a bad situation. So uh, he's got to pick his spots with that. Yes. And I think it's really at both ends of the floor and just kind of find that, that middle ground. Okay, so Illinois, Derek, is leading the Big Ten with three weeks to go. They travel to Rutgers, and uh, Rutgers is like going into Mordor. It's right now. It's, you don't simply go there and get a win. They are on a great run. Illinois better be locked in because their guys are playing great. Ron Harper has been stable for them, but Omar Rui's playing some of his best basketball. And Paul Mulcahy, not just scrappy white boy anymore. I mean, he is he's very skilled, and he is scoring, averaging 17 points per game, I believe it is, over the last five games. This is going to be a tough one, uh, Derek. And, and then the, the schedule only gets tougher, even though you get back home for some games. But you got at Michigan State, you got Ohio State, um, you got some of the best teams in the conference, Wisconsin. Um, this is a huge stretch, but going and stealing one on the road, and I do think Illinois might be favored, but it's going to be close in, in Vegas. Ken Palm, I think, has Illinois as a four- or three-point favorite uh, going into this one. So uh, this is a huge game because um, Purdue, their schedule is a little bit easier than Illinois moving forward, and, and they stay right in there uh, with the win uh, against Maryland today, even though they had to find a way to pull that one out. Um, this is a big game at Rutgers and a tough game, and you were there last year, I believe, or a couple of years ago, and Illinois really struggles to get wins there. It's a tough place to play. Yeah, it's extremely loud, and that team just plays at a different level when they're in that building. I mean, I think they're, what, in the 80s on Ken Palm? They're a top 30 team when they play uh, on their home floor. This could be a quad one game. Like yeah. By the end of the year, if Rutgers keeps winning, uh, right now it's not. I think they're 82 in the net, but on the road, top 75. Uh, so this could be a, another big NCAA tournament resume game for them, for Illinois as well. But, yeah, I mean, they're 11-1 and one at home. They're 2-7 and seven on the road. Yeah, it's a very good environment. Uh, I know that they've beaten Purdue there. They've beaten Ohio State there. Michigan blew out Michigan State. So they've beaten a lot of good – Opposition there. I think was it Maryland, the only Big Ten team that's gone in there and there won. Only team that's gone in there and won uh, this year. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very tough. And not that Illinois hasn't experienced tough venues and throughout this streak. And we always bring it up before every road game or to update the stat of you know their. I don't even know what it is anymore. Maybe lost two or three road games uh, in the last 15, 16. But uh, this is going to be a real challenge, and uh, I, I think that. I don't know. This, this performance isn't going to inspire a ton of confidence. I think a lot of people are going to worry about this game for good yeah. reason. And not that Illinois can't get it done, but it's, it's going to be a, a really tough test. Yeah, this game uh, certainly doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. All right, before we talk about a huge recruit visiting Illinois, I want to tell you guys about an exciting new apparel line coming with new Illini gear. Home Field Apparel is the premium collegiate apparel brand 
out of Indianapolis. They have incredibly comfortable tees, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. So Homefield is kicking off their big new Saturday season three. They're launching a new school on their site every Saturday for eight weeks and Illinois is coming up within the next week. So be ready guys. They gave me a quick look at their new designs and I gotta tell you, they put a lot of thought into the history of Illinois, the logos, some of the logos you guys love from their history, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs about the school. So I've seen some of these, and man, they are worth getting excited about. So you're going to want to check out Homefield Apparel for all their new Illini gear that is kicking off in the next week. And you guys have access to a great special deal. You use this promo code when you go to Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. New customers get 15% off their first purchase from Homefield with code Illini Inquire. That's promo code Illini Inquire. That's Illini Inquire. Inquire with an I. Use that promo code, you get 15% off their great new line of apparel. Check it out. It's coming up. It's launching in the next week. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Inquire. You do get a win, though, Derek, uh, in front of a very important visitor, Kylan Boswell, five-star, uh, out of Arizona, but really from Champaign. And Kylan Boswell takes a visit to Illinois this weekend. His big family is filling up a lot of the visitor section, and this is a huge one for Illinois. They're battling head-to-head -head against Arizona, UNLV, uh, with the, uh, uh, was it, I'm thinking of uh, form Kruger, Kevin, Kevin Kruger, Kruger yeah. as the assistant coach. Um, but they had an official visit as well, but everyone seems to think it's Illinois, Arizona here, Derek. Uh, what's this visit mean for Illinois to get Kylan Boswell on campus and have his family, a big family here? It means a lot. I mean, it, when you think about this run of success and the level of guard play you've had here recently, just continuing to build on that, to pair him with a, a Jaden Epps. And when he's a five-star, one of the best guards in the country uh, in his class, it's a really, really big deal. And to have someone from, when we talked about, uh, you know, from Chicago or downstate Illinois, how nice it would be to have a connection there. I mean, this guy's from Champaign. Like, this guy... Uh, has a bunch of family still here. While well, he's moved out, him and his parents, his parents live in California, and now he's at Arizona Compass Prep. He, he's still got uncles here. He's still got grandparents here. Uh, that's something that certainly is a part of the cell. I know that his grandpa flew in from California, uh, David Ina, that was on one of the Rose Bowl teams in the 80s, and uh, they played clips of, of him playing football and Kylan mixing that thing up and trying to do the legacy cell. And I think Brett Bielema was, was chipping in on that as well. So... Uh, Arizona's got a lot to sell. Like they're, they're one of the best teams in the country. Tommy Lloyd's done a great job. They play a entertaining, high-paced, high-scoring brand of basketball. Uh, but for Illinois to really have this thing boiled down between those two, uh, it's their opportunity to try to sell him on coming back home and playing in front of a lot of family and kind of being that stay-home star like I would assume it was. Yeah, and Iowa is such a good sell. And, and we know that that is being involved um, in, in this pitch to Kylan Boswell. And you think about it, 2023, obviously Trent Frazier will be gone. Will Andre Curbelo, right? That'll be, that'd be, does he return for a senior season if he's going to play uh, with Boswell? But you think of Jaden Epps, a bucket getter, right? Sincere Harris, more of a guy who can play two ways, defend a little bit. Uh, Kylan Boswell, from all accounts, not only is a very good offensive player, Derek, and distributor and scorer, but a very, very good defender. Uh, I was asking, we were talking before the game about like comps to him. And the one guy, I've only seen clips of him, right? You've seen, I, I believe, him in person. 
but he's just a controlled player. Maybe not the best athlete, maybe not the, the fastest, quickest twitch, but he's just, when he's your point guard, you feel really comfortable. That reminds me of Jalen Brunson. Uh, at least offensively, and then defensively, I think he might even be better uh, than Jalen, who certainly gets after it, but just a little bit undersized. Uh, what can Kylan Boswell bring to, whether it's Illinois or Arizona, what does he bring to a team? Winning. <laughs> I know I sounded like Brad Underwood there, but, I mean, the fact of his team won the Peach Jam Finals this past year, his high school won uh, whatever California state, prior to transferring to Compass, uh, they won a, a district or whatever it was, and then went with Team USA and won a gold medal this uh, this past year in, in the FIBA. So he's done a lot of winning. He makes a lot of winning plays. Uh, he is – I know Brandon Jenkins, our national guy, uh, one of our national guys at 24-7, said he's one of the best on-ball defenders in the class. Like He is getting into you, uh, being able to make guys uncomfortable, create turnovers. He loves to play up and down. Uh, he's got deep range on his three-point shot. Needs to get a little bit more consistent with – the actual percentage, but he's got a lot of ability to shoot it, a great smooth stroke, uh, and he can also get in the lane and uh, finish through contact. I think both him and Epps, you like the fact that if you're playing together, the strength they have like, to go to the go to the rim, absorb contact, uh, can play on or off the ball. That's, that's kind of a uh, certainly a benefit there, but good passer and, and just checks a lot of those boxes. So uh, I understand the, the Brunson comp for sure because he's got that crafty physicality about him. I do think he has higher defensive upside, but man, he's he's a really, really, really good player, and and one that would keep you with yeah. one of the top backcourts in the Big Ten, which has been the case for Illinois here the last couple of years. What a great place to now be when you're Illinois, when you're you're battling Arizona for one of the top point guards in the country, and obviously you have the local connection, the family connection here. But it seems like you're you're making the most of it. We'll see if you can definitely make the most of it going forward here. But they do have a sell now with Io, with what Andre did last year, what Trent Frazier is doing, uh, and then I just think who you can pair him with, right? If if R.J. Melendez is a junior star, um, and you have the point guard addition to him and Luke Goody. We'll see who the bigs are. Dane Danger uh, will be involved there, and they got to add more at that position. But Jade Neps playing alongside him, Sincere Harris. Arizona's got a lot to sell, but Illinois's got that to sell too. And I, I think NIL, I think the hometown hero kind of thing, certainly can help um, Illinois pitch to Kyle Boswell as well. I would certainly think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the opportunity there for him, certainly. And I know that he told – me, I was talking to him at halftime that he spent a lot of time with RJ and Luke this weekend, so I'm sure they're talking about the future and just putting pieces around him. And obviously, he's got to be aware of three top 100 guys in the 22 class and Rogers and Epps and Harris. That uh, there's a lot, a lot of talent there. We Ty have, Rogers, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe the Mr. <laughs> basketball in Illinois. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. But uh, yeah, mean, that's a lot of pieces around an immediate impact, probably starting point guard. I, we got to figure out who the big would be, whether it's danger or somebody else or what kind of combination, but that is a lot to sell around a point guard, whether it's going to be Boswell or day, day, day aims. Like yep. they have, they have nice pieces they're putting together Derek, And that's why, like, I don't know. I, I hate to put this into existence, but like, even if you don't get Boswell, there's just such a confidence right now in the rosters Brad Underwood is recruiting. But now you're at the point where it's like, hey, the five stars keep us at the top of the Big Ten. Instead of battling to stay in top there with the guys you're bringing in, like Boswell, he comes in here, it's like, yeah, we're definitely going to be like contending for Big Ten championships for the long term. Yes, it's to the luxury part uh, of the recruitment and the team building of that. Uh, you know, Epps could even play on the ball uh, quite a bit, and I know that's something that might 
be the case next year, you know, maybe behind Andre Curbelo, but uh, they do want an, another ball handling, high level guard, and they've been very selective in this class in terms of who they're trying to chase. And Kylan's been their, their number one priority. Uh, so uh, that, like you said, with the different pieces, I think they fit together nicely. We'll see what life after Kofi is down low. You are going to have Dane Danger. Uh, and, and we'll see about big guys. Uh, I know Xavier Booker was a big guy out of Indianapolis visit today. He's a four-star 2023, so uh, that's an option. But, yeah, there's, there's the sell there. There's the winning. There's the high-level guard play. And there's the guy in the NBA who stayed home and has his jersey in the rafters and was the Bob Cousy winner and, and now doing some big things for the Chicago Bulls. And, uh, I just think that's really important. I asked Brad yesterday just how much you talk about. I, I knew the answer. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot. Yeah, sometimes as a reporter, you got to ask the question you know the answer to, but it allowed yeah. Brad to expound on it because he knew what you were asking for, right? Yeah. And and Brad gave a really good answer about, like, yeah, we use that because he does everything right. And it seems like Kylan's really, really mature kid. So, um, you know, that's what's really striking about RJ. Uh, to me is just his maturity, Kofi's maturity. Um, that really stands out. Well, Goody uh, is that way because you feel like those kids you're going to get the most out of. You're not going to have to battle them very much. Right, and I think that their player development, like Io's development physically, and I know that uh, you know Adam Fletcher's also a big part of the cell. It's all yeah. mixed in there of what Illinois can do with a very talented player and then get him to where he ultimately wants to go. I know that you know we both talked to a lot of recruits when you talk to those that are high up on the list, they tend to talk about you know the NBA or the NFL and wanting to see somebody like them. I think that uh, that's certainly been a factor when I've talked to a lot of the, the high-level basketball recruits to say, well, this school has had this guy who's play, who plays like me and, and they can get me to the league. I think that Iowa is now that guy for Illinois. And that's, that's very important and, and keeps Illinois very relevant in that conversation. DJ Cooper only lasted so long for, for John Gross, right? Like that was an issue for Illinois for, for years is that you just can't point to anyone that said, yeah, we've coached a guy like you and look what he's doing now uh, at the NBA. So just a, a huge boost uh, for Illinois recruiting. We will see if they can get it done. All right, that'll wrap it up for us at the State Farm Center. Illinois defeats Northwestern 73-66, now 18-6 and on the season, 11-3 and during Big Ten play. Despite all of this, despite an ugly game, Derek, Here's this team atop the Big Ten with three weeks, six games left to go. The chance to be a number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. The chance to get a regular season Big Ten championship banner that you so wanted and deserved uh, last year. Um, we'll see what they do once they get into the tournament, but it's a heck of an accomplishment to overcome some of the things they've done. I know we've talked about that. I know today was ugly, but this team continues to set itself up for a top three seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. I think they'd be a three seed right now in the NCAA tournament. They're, what, 12 or 13 in the net. Um, if they just keep taking care of business, no matter if it's ugly or not, um, they can accomplish a lot in the last four weeks, six weeks, potentially, of this season. Yeah, I think Lenardi had them as the number two three seed yeah. going into today. And then a lot of quad one opportunities. Maybe Rutgers turns into one of those. You know that at Michigan State will be one. Ohio State on your home floor coming up after that, and then at you're Michigan. at Michigan. So uh, a lot of opportunity to bolster your resume, a lot of challenges, of course, to hold, serve at the top of the Big Ten. But can you imagine, I know you were there in Kansas City where Illinois gets blown off the floor against Cincinnati, then loses, or not loses, but they won an ugly game against Kansas State where you struggled there for a little while, and then you're like, Oh, by the way, Carbello's not going to play for the next two months. You thought Trent might be done yeah, at true. that point, right? 
but it's going to be all right. You'll be 11 and three in the league in first place, uh, three seed line, and then a lot of opportunities still in yeah. front of you the last three weeks. You, you, you definitely take that. Yeah, I mean, Steve Peichel deserves Coach of the Year. Um, honors are in the discussion, right, for what they're doing at Rutgers, given the losses they've had. Jacob Young, um, you know, Miles Johnson leaving. Greg Gard, I mean, they're starting to fall off. I mean, they lost what, a couple games here recently, but they're still in the Big Ten race, and that's pretty unbelievable. And Matt Painter's a really good coach. Um, but what Brad Underwood's done to be able to hold this thing together, now you just, if you're an Illinois fan, you hope, can we lift off? Can, can, can Curbelo find his rhythm? Can R.J. Melendez take us to another level on the wing? And Kofi Coburn? And, and then just if you can get Jacob Grandison and, and, and Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams just back on track a little bit. I mean, those guys still, especially Trent and Demonte on defense, still give you a lot. But it still feels like you haven't hit your stride. Yeah. That's what's so weird about this team. I agree with that. I mean, in terms of Underwood deserves a ton of credit for getting this team to this point, like to be able to weather what's come this team's way. And obviously it's not just him. It's like all that Trent Frazier put on his shoulders and just the explosion of Andre Alfonso Palmer as the shot maker and some of these other guys. But it is now taking this and getting to that next level because they weren't talking about you know just being in first place in the Big Ten. And they wanted to win a Big Ten title, but it's like, the ceiling of this team is now getting to, are we one of the best teams in college basketball? Are we a true Final Four contender? Are we feeling good enough about ourselves development-wise to be like, all right, we're in good position to make the run we should have made last year and just have it all click at the same time? Because they, they've weathered the storm in a lot of ways, and they have been impressive at certain wins at Indiana, Wisconsin at home without Kofi against Michigan State. But to have it all just really pop in a big game, and they haven't beaten an elite team yet. Yeah. Um, it's hard to know, though. You're sitting there, Purdue, is Purdue an elite team? Right. It's so confusing. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I was about to say. I think the Big Ten makes that so hard. Yeah. I think the Big Ten makes it so hard to look pretty yeah. uh, and, and to look like a number one seed. And maybe that's what's hurting the Big Ten once they get to the NCAA tournament here and not being able to, to win the whole thing. I think part of that's talent. I think part of that's recruiting. But I think – Getting like it's hard to do that in the Big Ten because your worst teams, uh, you know, are 11 and 12 in the Big Ten are still top 80s, top 90, top 100 teams in the country. I look at like the SEC way down at the bottom, like their bottom five or six teams are you know, outside of that 120. Yeah. Um, so it's just every night you got to bring it, and, and that becomes very difficult. And, and to survive those off nights like Illinois has. I mean, against non-Purdue teams, Derek, they're 11-1 and in the Big Ten. Um, Maryland, you didn't have Kofi. You would have won probably if you had Kofi mm -hmm. in that game. So this team finds ways to win ugly. And that, I think Kofi Coburn deserves a ton of credit for that. I think Trent and DeMonte with their defense, uh, but also the coaching staff as well. And, and some of the guys who've, who've had big games, including R.J. Melendez. But um, there, there's, a, there's a skill in being able to do all those things. And, no, it hasn't looked pretty. I don't think they look like a Final Four team. Um, I, I think they'd, in an Elite Eight matchup against some of these elite teams, we're talking about Gonzaga, Arizona, Purdue, who I still think can do that because they're talented. That's where, you, that's where you worry, but you also think you got a chance uh, against those teams. And it's a team that I think is difficult to upset. Like, they're yeah. a difficult team for a less talented team to upset. Yeah, especially if they don't have someone inside that can, you know, battle with Kofi or do anything because all of a sudden you start having to double and uh, it just becomes you're you're chasing there and you're hoping Illinois doesn't make shots and outside of Cincinnati have they had a disappointing loss with Kofi on the court let me 
<laughs> nah, I mean, not there against Maryland. Your two losses other than that in Big Ten player, Purdue. You lost to Arizona. Marquette, he wasn't was there. No, I mean, yeah, nope. I, he's He almost makes you feel like you're upset proof. <laughs> like yeah. Now, Loyola did it last year when Kofi was there. I mean, that was a heck of a performance. Not to say they can't, but that's what gives you some confidence going to Rutgers, even though they got Omarui. Omarui's a good Big Ten big man, but you have Kofi Coburn. So I know we're getting long-winded towards the end here, but um, that, that's where you do feel good about wins like this, like wins uh, over Northwestern at Northwestern, is those are ugly games, but you're still finding a way to win. So that'll do it for us at State Farm Center. Illinois defeats Northwestern 73-66. Uh, Derek Piper will have more with Kylan Boswell, the recruits who are in campus uh, today. Joey Wagner will write more about RJ Melendez. We wrote some about him, but we have to write about him again. Of player grades and much more coming to Illini Inquirer. So we appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Everybody have a great Super Bowl Sunday uh, and a great start to the week. And uh, take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Mm-hmm.